Inclusion is not a destination, it's a journey. That's the motto that Stuart McReynolds, the president and CEO of the Ability Center, takes to his job every day. The Ability Center is a center which focuses on enhancing the quality of life and citizenship of all people of all abilities through inclusive programming in the areas of sport, therapeutic recreation, life skills, the arts, and research. Stuart, join me this week to discuss the great work accomplished by the Ability Center and to have a discussion about how to increase inclusion in all facets of life for people with disabilities. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Welcome you to the show, and we're excited to learn all about the Ability Center this morning. Thanks uh, so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Kevin. Delighted to uh, to be part of the show today. Now, I know uh, as a part of the Ability Center, you focus on enhancing the quality of life for all sorts of individuals of every type of every ability through sport, recreation, the arts. Uh, and life skills and research. So I'll just begin by asking you if you could uh, expand a little bit for me on your organization's mission. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for the question, Kevin. We are a a very unique organization. Uh, We are uh, one of a kind globally. And um, the original intention uh, of why Ability Center was, uh, was created was twofold. The first intent was to create a space where everyone of any age, any ability can come together to engage in meaningful program services and realize their full potential. Um, and a space that really embodies what inclusion and accessibility should look like and could look like in communities uh, across the province, across the country and even globally. And so our first focus was on um, the opening of our, what we call 125,000 square foot inclusion incubator or community hub, which is really a microcosm of society in terms of what we offer to our community. We've been running our building now for uh, eight years. And as we've gone along, we've actually developed, test, evaluated, um, and scaled programs outside of our four walls across the province and across the country. And that really ties into um, the the second area of of intent from our founders was was that this organization and this building uh, should serve as a model for other communities. Uh, And so what we're doing at the moment is after eight years of learning, trying, failing, and uh, establishing best practice um, programs and services, 
we're actually looking at scaling those uh, across the province uh, and across the country. And we also have a number of international partnerships uh, as well. At the center of all of our activities, we focus on people with disabilities, inclusion and accessibility, and really working to improve quality of life for every individual we serve. And we look at quality of life through the building blocks of health and well-being, social inclusion, and economic participation. So every program or service that we deliver, uh, we look at achieving those outcomes in, uh, through that delivery. I know a big part of what you do is also encouraging others to accept uh, people of all abilities and all backgrounds. Uh, part of your uh, vision statement talked about that. So can you talk to me about being an international leader in that regard and the whole, uh, the mission and the mandate you hope to set for other communi community centers like yours? Absolutely. And I think one, what we'll take it back to is every single one of us has, has something to contribute. Every single one of us brings inherent value uh, through um, our skills, uh, through the participation in our communities and through our aspirations. And so what we've really tried to firmly establish as an organization is understanding the value that each of us bring uh, to our communities and providing opportunities uh, to support the participation of people of all abilities uh, in living, working and playing uh, where, where, where they live and in their, in their respective communities. So what we look at is um, two um, or three essential levels of impact um, and uh, really trying to position that value of what accessibility and inclusion can bring. The first level of impact is the impact on the individual. So again, that goes back to improving health and well-being, um, and that's physical health, mental health, uh, psychosocial health. Uh, we look at economic participation, so uh, pre-employment skills, um, life skills, and also transition into employment. And then we look at social inclusion. So again, the opportunity for individuals to fully participate uh, in community in community life. So that's the first level of impact that we look at uh, is at, at an individual level. We then as an organization focus on systems level impact um, where we work with teachers, uh, with healthcare practitioners, uh, with business owners and position the value of accessibility in terms of how it can help them meet their organization's objectives. And I think that's is, is what's often overlooked. Uh, you know, disability in particular is often looked at as a charitable, charitable model. And we're really missing a phenomenal opportunity to leverage accessibility and inclusion as a driver for economic return, as social change, and to you know, support our communities and our country in realizing its full potential. And when you look at the current situation with the COVID-19 pandemic as an example, if we want to recover fully socially and economically, we have to include every single individual in those recovery and response strategies. And uh, you piqued my interest because part of my background is serving uh, people with disabilities from the employment perspective. So my next question uh, has to do with, can you uh, just comment for me on the linkage and the importance of, of em employment and, and social inclusion and how those two intersect for people with disabilities? Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at some of the, the statistics in, in Canada, for example, uh, people with disabilities uh, make up around 22% of the population and that percentage increases as, as people age. The disability um, 
population as a consumer group represents $55 billion worth of annual spending in, in Canada alone. Um, and so when you think about um, employment, for example, or economic participation, um, employing more people with disabilities enables organizations to uh, become more productive. Uh, you are in a position when you have representation within your organizations to truly embrace the co-design of products and services that uh, will then reach a broader market and audience, thus, you know, essentially improving your bottom line while really strengthening the organizational culture. And so from an employment perspective, um, I think there is a phenomenal opportunity for us to look at variations in our workplaces that not only support um, the integration of people with disabilities, but are beneficial to all. And I always use the analogy of universal design and accessibility in that accessibility isn't just of people with disabilities. It's actually beneficial for, for each of us. Um, and so when I think about um, my time as a, uh, as a parent with my wife, we have uh, uh, twin, twin daughters and we had a double stroller and we couldn't get into any shop on our high street because there were steps uh, going into those stores and single doors. So when you look at the consumer base and the disability um, uh, 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 consumer group as well, you know, if you haven't got steps into your store, if you've got oversized doors and you've just increased the potential for folks to engage with your business and organization. Um, and more so than that, when you look at the, the increasing technology and, and products and services that are now available in the market, um, there's a phenomenal opportunity for us to uh, achieve significant economic returns while really supporting social inclusion. And when you look at um, uh, technologies such as Siri on an Apple iPhone, a lot of people don't realize that that was initially designed as an accessibility uh, feature, but that is now incredibly beneficial for, for any one of us. So again, for me, accessibility um, is about innovation. It's about um, ensuring that individuals are provided with the accommodations and variations that they need to fully participate, but it has inherent value that is, is beneficial to everyone irrespective of your ability. And just on a broader sense, I'm also curious, based on your experience and uh, leading the Ability Center, what do you think is the key to increasing inclusion for individuals with disabilities sort of on a broader scale? Yeah, that, that's, it's, it's a great question. And I think that's something that, you know, when you look at our, our society uh, as a whole, and I would say if this is certainly true globally as well, we, we still have struggled with... Um, full inclusion and I think the one thing that I that you know I'm very cognizant of is that inclusion also isn't a destination it's a journey so even us as an organization uh, we're regarded as being a leader in this space but we are constantly challenging ourselves to, to improve every single day every single week every single year because it isn't a destination it's a continuous journey and when you look at trying to influence um, accessibility inclusion on, on the broader scale I think we have to have um, or create more opportunities for people to live, work and play alongside one another. So when you look at businesses and organizations, we need to support hiring processes that are inclusive and accessible, that enable co-workers to work with individuals of different backgrounds and different abilities and develop those social relationships and really get to understand the value that we each bring to the table. When you look at sport and recreation, um, we should have less segregated participation models. Uh, we do have Special Olympic and para sport, 
and, and able-bodied or, or Olympic stream sports, which is great, but we shouldn't have um, a, a situation where a child or an adult cannot be accommodated at the local club. We need to make sure that everything in terms of uh, what's available in our community, whether it be employment opportunities, sport, recreation, leisure, is designed from the outset to be accessible and, and inclusive. So I would say that we need to create opportunities where we can have uh, individuals of all ages and abilities uh, working, living and playing alongside one another. And I would also say that there has been an attempt, certainly from uh, different levels of government, uh, to implement legislation and policy to support um, uh, inclusion. But I say that that's, we can't rely on that because we know it hasn't been as successful as anticipated today. We really have to focus on the value of what each of us can bring to the table and provide opportunities for all of us to live, work and play alongside one another. And can you just tell me, uh, from your perspective, uh, I know that the Ability Center has impacted a lot of uh, people throughout the community in Ontario and worldwide. So I'm just wondering your perspective on the biggest impact you think the organization has made uh, uh, since you began your tenure there as well. Yeah, that's it's a great it's a great question, and I think um, you know the way I'd, I'd probably respond to that is is just the context of impact. Uh, and so, you know, for, from an organisational perspective, what we look at in terms of impact is how are we really changing the narrative with regards to um, what inclusion and accessibility looks like uh, in communities, and how do we measure that? So, our focus is on improving quality of life for individuals. So we. Um, uh, evaluate um, and research all of our programs and services to have a look at the impact that we that we achieve on the individuals that we serve and if that is the intended impact that we wanted to, to have but when I look at impact I, I think about stories and I think about the parents um, who reach out to us who uh, through their child participating in one of our programs have just said that it's been life-changing when we look at a young adult who uh, has been part of our pre-employment skills training that's now got their first job, um, you know, that for me is those stories and those individualized situations are what we're here for. And so I think when we look at impact, it's about ensuring we support individuals to realize their full potential, whatever that potential might be. And so, uh, again, going back to the impact that I spoke about previous in our discussion, I think the individual impact is, is so important for us in that we don't predetermine or make assumptions on what people want, that we work with them to establish their objectives and help them realize their full potential, whatever that might be. From an organization perspective, what I feel we're most proud about is that we're in a position where we can influence uh, public and private sector organizations. And I think what we're doing or what we're attempting to do as an organization is through living and breathing this on a daily basis, empowering our staff and our team and our participants to be able to go out into their communities and advocate for um, um, an inclusive uh, and accessible community where they can realize their full potential. And that's part of our key is that we don't want to be the only provider of inclusion and accessibility in our community. So as we look to the future and hopefully we build future centers in different areas and provinces and, and countries, our success is how we can support our community uh, and organizations become autonomous in the offerings of inclusion and accessibility. 
And I know that uh, therapeutic recreation is a big part of what you do at the Ability Center. And just before we started our conversation, you shared with me that you had to pivot uh, to virtual services and you're in your second day of reopening. So I'm wondering how you think uh, the uh, pandemic has affected not only your business operation and providing services, but a therapeutic recreation for people with disabilities? Yeah, that, that, that's a good question. And I think when you look at the impacts of uh, COVID-19, those impacts are definitely exacerbated for our disability community. Um, we've uh, engaged with our members and participants on a regular basis throughout the pandemic, and we actually did a survey to uh, gauge some of their biggest concerns uh, that they have. And a lot of um, uh, our families and participants, especially those that we serve through uh, therapeutic recreation, were really um, um, uh, scared about the prospect of regression. So, you know, uh, without being the potential to be physically active or have those social experiences, that um, there'll be um, um, instances where they'll regress physically, that they won't be able to um, be as active as they once were, and that they'll be in a worse position um, as a result of this pandemic uh, prior, to, uh, prior to the start of March when we closed the building. And so lots of concern, uh, lots of anxiety, uh, and what we did as an organization was um, work with the families and the participants that we serve to co-design new experiences. And I think that's a key factor that we've really in, in embraced as an organization is co-production and co-design with people with disabilities. Uh, we cannot make assumptions about what people um, want to access or what's going to meet their needs. We actually have to co-design those experiences. So what we did um, very quickly within the first two or three weeks, um, we pivoted to an online uh, virtual format. Uh, so we provided small group and one-on-one -on -one, um, uh, sessions uh, uh, with respect to for, uh, therapy, recreation and other programs that we serve. We then opened up to a parking lot program where we actually had families coming in uh, twice a week in our parking lot and engaging in uh, physically distanced activities. And now as we've just reopened a facility, we've got a blend of online um, uh, and virtual delivery programs, parking lot programs, as well as center-based programs as well. So, uh, and that's probably something that will continue, Kevin, is making sure that we have a number of options and variations available for programming that meet our participants' needs. And then my final question for you is a two-part question in terms of how do you, uh, would you encourage people that want to get involved in the mission of inclusion for people with disabilities? How do you think they can do that? And then my, uh, just finally, if people want to get involved in the Ability Center, how do they do that? Yeah, so it's, a, it's a great question. And I think, you know, for, for organizations and individuals that are, uh, are looking to become involved in accessible inclusion, I think it's really important to acknowledge, again, that concept of a journey. Um, make the commitment, but don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, uh, inclusion accessibility is about innovation, it's about learning, and it's about a, a commitment to continuous improvement and, and learning. So I would say uh, embrace the journey, uh, be open to um, uh, making mistakes uh, and, and learning. And I, I would just, again, just reinforce that when you do make that commitment to inclusion and accessibility on an individual and an organizational level, 
the rewards are tremendous. Um, and again, the concept of universal design and accessibility can reap significant economic and social returns, uh, regardless if you're doing it on, a, on an individual basis or as a business or as an organization or as a government, uh, uh, for example, as well. So um, I would, uh, yeah, again, I would recommend just embrace the journey, be prepared to make mistakes, uh, focus on continuous learning improvement, but understand that um, if we want to become the country we want to become and the society that we want to create, that inclusion and accessibility has to be at the forefront of every decision uh, that we make. In response to the second part of your question, uh, we're always delighted as an organization to engage with individuals and organizations. So I would encourage folks to visit our website at www.abilitycenter.org. That gives us, uh, will give you a really good overview of the programs and services that we provide. And again, if you want any advice or assistance in terms of starting your journey or engaging in a particular program or area, we'd be delighted to have those conversations. Fantastic, Sue, and I want to thank you for a few minutes in joining us this morning to have a very important discussion about inclusion and the important work you do at the Ability Center. I want to thank you for your time. I know how busy you are, so I really appreciate you being here this morning. No, thank you, Kevin. It was a delight to be on the show today. Thank you. Fantastic, Stuart. We're